Good evening, everybody. Uh, tonight I bring the Bible readings to you, and there's a series of Bible readings tonight from Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, and this is the first of the series. So this is Luke 1 from verse 26, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to the man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who, is, who has believed that the Lord will fulfil his promise, promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been my mindful of so he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. For he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he has promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. 
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea in Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and, he was, expect and, and was expecting a child. Merry Christmas Eve, or Happy Christmas Eve, whichever way you say it, I always forget. Uh, but before we begin, uh, as usual, I think it's nice to say g'day. You're not going to see these people probably for Christy, but you might, I'm not sure. You should all be coming tomorrow, just mind you. Uh, but, but why don't you turn, say g'day, and, and say Merry Christmas Eve to someone. Cool. All right, well, I just want to say thank you, uh, Tali, if you're still here. That, uh, that carol that we had at the very start, uh, that's my favorite carol. It's got a uh, minor progression to it, and so it kind of really feels like it holds time almost, and you just want to sit in it for a while. And I think as far as uh, this sermon is concerned, that's hopefully what we're going to, to do here uh, today. I think it's pretty safe for me to say as a pastor, every time you get up to the pulpit, what you want to do is magnify Jesus so grandly that people just want to come in a desire to worship him. And you're ever reminded of how much it's just mere human words that you're conveying of, on the truths of God. But I feel like that's more acute when you come to special services uh, like today. So with these short uh, few minutes that we have together, I want to do my best to try and invite you into a story, not so much of Jesus' birth, but just before everything's just about to, to happen. It feels like a movie scene where it goes still for a second and you're almost at the climatic part, but it's just silent. In other words, what I want to talk about is the anticipation that the people had of Jesus or the anticipation that people had of the Messiah who was to come. Anticipation, it's really keenly felt when we're really aware that something's going to take place and when it's taken a long time, we feel it all the more, especially that hopeful anticipation. You know, tomorrow we're all hopefully anticipating that it's a joyful kind of day. Your kids are hopefully anticipating that the things that they pointed out in the catalogue are under the tree. <laughs> You're hoping for a better future, and you're hoping it becomes your reality. If I've got my slides up, which I don't, but would we mind getting our slides up for two secs, please? I want to start by asking you a question, and really it's two questions, but I want to wait for my slides so you can actually have a look. Not quite. Sermon slides are there somewhere? No? No worries. I can go ahead without them. Yep, that's the first one. Thank you. And this is my question that I want to ask you. 
When was there a time in your life that you were in hopeful anticipation of something to come and it was fulfilled, it came to fruition? And, and what was that like? Well, it's a subjective thing, it's your emotional weight put into a circumstance, but when was something that you were hopefully anticipating for to come into your life and it was fulfilled and what was that like? And I ask that question because I want to try and emotionally grasp what's taking place here for the Jews, for the Messiah. I was trying to think of a time in my life that I could present of when something like this happened for me. And it was the time that my, my firstborn son, Sebastian, was born. I remember Jess fell pregnant for the very first time. And, and as you do, you kind of hide that little bundle of joy away for, for the 12 week time frame. And after the 12 weeks, we, we went to mum and dad, we went down to their house and we're like, oh, we're, we're pregnant, we're with a child. That night we got home, we, we packed our bags to, to go up to see Jesse's side of the family. And that night we lost it. And it was really painful and it was a really sorrowful time, as it is for many couples. And then not long after that, Jess fell pregnant again. And we were really waiting for this child, but we kind of felt a bit different than the first time. And twice over, we lost two more children again. Eventually, Jess became pregnant. And I still remember with, with great clarity, my memory fails a lot, but this I remember. I remember holding him for the first time. I remember him sitting there, but more vividly, the image is more vividly, I remember the emotion or what was in my stomach or what was almost in the whole fiber of my whole being. Was I joyful? Immensely joyful. But it wasn't just joy. I almost felt like a sense of relief. A sense of a long time of longing. I'm like, it's here. You're finally here. Not only that, I remember crying a lot and almost feeling like a little bit sad. And when these massive epochs or events happen in our life, it's, it's almost hard to describe with language what you're actually internally going through. And I share this story with you tonight to hopefully highlight the anticipation that the Jews were experiencing in waiting for their Messiah. It had been 400 years for them of silence. Imagine 400 years of crying out to God and no answer. 400 years of saying, Lord, would you just move? Would you just do something in our lives? Would you fulfill your word? Would you fulfill your promises? and you get nothing. And then on top of that, imagine that many men have come in the name of being the Messiah. Failed attempts where they are beaten down into the dirt and they have to pay the ramifications of it. A time of yearning for people. And I don't think it's too hard for me to grasp and make that connection to our day of how much time have we spent this year yearning for God to move in our lives, whether that be in the personal life or in the life of this country or in what's going on around the world. How many hopes have been dashed to pieces? How much has there been crying out to God and it, it feels like silence is the loudest thing in your bedroom? You started to put your hopes in things like false messiahs and yet it feels misplaced. And when this happens, as it happens to all of God's people, what do we do? 
When all the evidence of God working for the good of his people are dashed to the ground, what are we doing? When all our pleading seems like it goes unheard, what do we have left for hopeful anticipation? And I'm meant to be a slide along. Sorry. Oh, maybe I'm not. This is my point for tonight. We remember the signs that God has given us. In the scripture verse just read, and it's only small what I'm going to break down here, but it says she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and she laid him in the manger. These words, when we generally read them, they don't really jump off the page, do they, for us? It's kind of like someone coming up and being like, oh, did you know my, uh, my cousin's brother, sister, friend had a child? And you're like, oh, that's, that's nice, that's lovely news. You don't really go much past that point. Well, it's just, it's really nice that someone had a child. But in this small sentence or this fragment of a sentence, it means she, Mary, the teenage virgin, who was prophesied seven to 800 years ago by the prophet Isaiah, she was with child. She is the sign. Isaiah says in 7.14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son And he'll be called Emmanuel. God's word was finally becoming or coming into fruition, into reality. And she wraps her newborn son, Jesus, up and she places him in a manger, in a feeding trough for animals. There's many things that are said about the sign of of Jesus with, with the feeding trough or being born in Bethlehem. You know, it says uh, he came in humility or it was a humble state that he was in and that's all true. But if you really want to just get practical about the situation for two seconds, the sign was given to shepherds because it was such an unlikely spot to find a child. It's like me saying to you, hey, look, the Savior has come tonight and you're going to find him up at the Windsor pub. Uh, he'll He'll be wrapped in a bit of newspaper and laying in a cardboard box. And then you go along and and you see that. It's unsightly. It's in a weird spot. And you're like, ah, it's true. It's true. That was the sign given to them. And this sign of Jesus, of Jesus, that God has given, it's God saying, I'm here. I'm here. Everything that you've been praying for, everything that you've been longing for, Everything that you want me to do, I'm here and it's coming into effect. If we look at the emotional responses of some of these people when they got the news that Jesus was coming, that the Messiah was coming, it's beautiful what we find in the heart of some of these people. For instance, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, she sings and she says, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Listen to the heart of this woman about to bear the Messiah. God, you remember me. God, you see my lot in life and you are mindful of it. And I'm lifted up and I'm called blessed because you are merciful. She hears of Jesus and she exclaims, I am seen or I am known. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, sings blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for the people. He has raised a horn of salvation for us. Now, Zechariah, he was a priest who wanted to worship in the temple. 
He wanted freedom to do that. Listen to his heart. I can finally come into a time and a moment where I can worship freely because the Messiah is going to liberate us. And the last one I'll touch on is Simeon, the prophet. And he says, now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people. Light to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. A fragile old man about to hit his deathbed. And he looks upon this little infant baby. And he sees the salvation of mankind. And he is happy to go in peace. God's sign of a virgin girl giving birth to a boy in Bethlehem and placing him in a manger was given to people to let them know you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to live in anticipation. I'm here. I'm with you. When that prophecy was first given in Isaiah, it was because there was a king in Israel named Ahaz. And he was scared that his whole kingdom was about to be destroyed. And the God said, you can ask for a sign as high as heaven or as low as hell, and I'll perform it for you. And the king says, no, I won't ask for a sign. And God says, well, how about this? I'll give you a sign. There will be a virgin, and she'll conceive, and she'll give birth to a son. And he'll be known as Emmanuel. That same sign that was given to Ahaz, that baby boy in that feeding trough, is the same sign 2,000 years ago given to the Jews, to God's people. I haven't abandoned you. I am here. And it's okay. And that same sign is still given to you and I today. It is because Christ, God made flesh, has come. That we stand boldly and we know He is here and He is with us. But even more so profound than this, when Jesus Christ, He went upon that cross and He took our sins upon it. And the wrath of God was poured out and he died and he lay in the tomb and he raised again back on high to be with God. He poured out his spirit. And he said to his disciples, his followers before he left, he said, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will be with you again. But he also anticipated another day. Where he said, I'm still going to come. And you and I live in this time period where we can sit there and say, God is with us. Here with us now. And I give this sign, I guess, to a reminder of you. I know for Jess and I, we don't have the tree. We've got a little baby in a crib. That's where we put our presents. And it's to remind us what we're doing here. But all those years ago, God was saying, I'm here and I'm with you. I'm ever mindful that Christmas is not always the most pleasant of time for all people. The circumstances don't always mean that you're going to be joyful. But in all the midst of life, whatever you find that there may be, Jesus came to say, I am here. And I will be with you, and I'll come again. And that's the beauty that you can remember tomorrow morning before you open up that gift. Christ is both with you now, and he has a day planned when all the problems, all the pain, all the torment, all the COVID, it's over. And the Lord has given us the sign of the baby, has given us the sign of the cross, the sign of the Holy Spirit to remind us I'm coming again. 
That's what I wanted to share with you this morning. I hope it's a blessing to you. And I hope as you look at that baby, or you don't have one in your home, but remind yourself of what the Lord has done. He is with you and he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that your timing is always right. Not, Lord, that we always understand it, but it is always good. And that you gave your son to us. That there was a way paved for us to receive salvation. Lord, that you are with us now by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Father, would we hopefully anticipate the day to come, not just tomorrow, but Lord, the day when you come back to your people. In your name I pray. Amen.